All right, let's open this awesome book up called the Book of Romans. The Book of Romans, we're in chapter 8. We're looking at verses 26 and 27 this morning. And that would be page 944 in those blue church Bibles. In those blue church Bibles, if you're using those. And I titled this message, The Intercession of the Spirit. The Intercession of the Spirit. We've been in chapter 8 now for a while. And, and as I've said, chapter 8 speaks more about the Holy Spirit than any other chapter in the New Testament. So we draw a lot out from this chapter concerning uh, the Holy Spirit. What He does, primarily. What He does in the life of the believer. And here we're going to learn something else that's really awesome about the Holy Spirit that indwells every single one of us who have placed our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me uh, read you a quote and to start off our time together. One writer, concerning this text that we're going to look at, he says this, because we're going to talk about prayer. He says, prayer is one of the great mysteries of the spiritual life. We know that God is listening, right? We know that, right? We know He's listening. Uh, but we sense an inadequacy when it comes to knowing how or exactly what to pray for. Beloved, in, in knowing exactly what to pray for, have you ever, have you ever experienced that? Do you, do you understand what the writer is talking about? Have you ever had a sense, that sense of inadequacy in your prayer life? Always knowing in specific situations what, what you should be praying for? I have. If, you have, if there's any of you who haven't, let me talk to you because I would like to find out how it is that you, that you know so much, so well. But I have, I mean, as a man who studies the Word of God pretty regularly, I regularly am confounded when it comes to knowing exactly how to pray in particular situations. Uh, maybe you thought to yourself, uh, I, don't, I don't really know exactly what to ask, for, ask of God in this situation. Or, or even, even this, I don't really know what God's will or desire is concerning these things. And yet, here's something else we know, that God isn't going to fulfill or do those things that run contrary to His will. Is that right? See, that's the dilemma. Well, if if I don't know exactly what His will is concerning these things, the specific things, because he speaks to us. He, he reveals his will to us in many, about many things through his word, right? But there are many other circumstances or situations where we do not have a direct word from God. And so we go to him in prayer and we pray about these things, but we know ultimately that if it's not his will, these things won't happen. That's the dilemma. One Christian writer says this, except perhaps on rare occasions, our petitions, you know that word, petitions? You know what that means? It, it means an appeal or request to a higher authority. Okay? You could, you could understand it that way, an appeal or request to a higher authority. You might petition the court or petition the judge or something of that nature, or children petition their parents. They don't usually say it, but that's what they're They make an appeal to a higher authority. Okay? But our petitions must be qualified by if it is in accordance with your will. Have you ever prayed that? Have you ever said at the end of a prayer or during the prayer, have you said, you know, you do your whole thing, and they say, of course, if it be your will, Father, if it be your will, right? This does not, of course, mean that we should not strive to understand the will of God for the circumstances we face. It doesn't mean we shouldn't seek God's understanding on these things or even seek His Word concerning our circumstances, or that we are wrong to make definite requests of God. I mean, that's one of the privileges of being a child of God, that we can come and make all our requests known to Him, even the even the ones that we think are insignificant, he cares. He cares. 
But it does mean that we cannot presume to identify our petitions with the will of God. We, we can't just make an assumption that what we're praying is automatically God's will for that situation or those circumstances. Do you understand what I'm saying? And that creates that dilemma. Well, this morning, I, I think that we will find something in this text that will help us. I believe that is the case. Help us uh, with this situation that we find ourselves in in prayer. So look at the text beginning in verse 26. We're just going to look at two verses this morning. Paul, the Apostle Paul writes these words beginning in 27. Likewise, the Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, my friends, the one he's been talking about all through chapter 8. The Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. This morning what we're going to do is we're simply going to consider why, why, and how the Spirit, the indwelling Spirit that lives inside every Christian, why and how the Spirit helps us so that our hearts would be encouraged and our minds would be put at ease, specifically concerning the issue of prayer. So the why, we don't know what to pray for as we ought. That's why the Spirit helps us. That's the first point. These are very simple, very simple. And the how is simply that the Spirit prays for us. The Spirit prays for us. So we'll look at this in more detail, but that's the outline this morning. Okay? You with me so far? All right. Now, as we begin to consider the first point, or why the Spirit helps us, Let's look at the first part of verse 26 again. Notice that verse 26 begins with what word? Yeah, likewise. Likewise. Depending on your translation, it could be in the same way. In the same way. Likewise, or in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. So the word likewise, you know, you should say, ding, 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 stop for a second. Likewise connects Paul's statement back to something Paul had just mentioned in the immediate context. Uh, It suggests that the Spirit helping us in our weakness is similar in some way to something else Paul has already mentioned, okay? Likewise. So what is that something else? What is that something else? I believe it is the hope, the hope that Paul speaks about in the verses that immediately precede verse 26, which would be verses 24 and 25. That hope being the certain expectation we have as Christians of the glory that is to be revealed to us, the consummation of our salvation. We talked about this last week, and the redemption of our bodies. And it is this hope, now listen, it is this hope that is able to sustain us through the difficulties of this life. Right? We talked about that in detail last week. It is this hope that is able to sustain us through the difficulties of this life. So then, likewise, or in the same way that our Christian hope sustains us or carries us through the sufferings of this present time, as Paul refers to it in verse 18, likewise, it is the Spirit who sustains us or comes to our aid in our weakness. Or you could say that it is both our Christian hope within us and the Spirit who indwells us, which helps sustain us in the midst of the difficulties that we face in this life. With me so far? Just kind of drawing your attention to some things there. Now let's continue to break down verse 26. The word help. 
The word help there. You see it? Likewise, the Spirit helps us. It translates a, a compound Greek word. So that means multiple Greek words put together to form one Greek word, which is then translated in the English as help or helps us, helps. So that word help translate this compound Greek word that if you take all the words in totality and you look at them, it pictures someone coming alongside another person to take part of their load and help them bear it. Okay? You get the picture? So if you could just for a second maybe picture someone picking up a piano, and if I called out for help, I'm bearing that piano's load, I need someone to come alongside me. As you come alongside me and bear that load with me, you're helping me. That's the picture behind the word, okay? The word is used in only one other place in the New Testament, that Greek word specifically. And that's in Luke 10.40, Luke 10.40. And maybe you remember this story, frustrated Martha. Frustrated Martha tells Jesus, Jesus has come over to the house, and, you know, Martha and Mary, their sisters, and Martha's frustrated because Mary, her sister, is just sitting at the feet of Jesus, not doing anything except listening to what Jesus had to say. But Martha is busy with all the preparations for preparing the meal that she will feed Jesus and the, and the family. And so Martha comes to Jesus and says, Hey! I mean, not, I'm obviously, it's not exactly like this, but would you tell Mary, you know, the one sitting there at your feet, to help me? To help me. Same exact word, okay? So Martha, listen, Martha wanted Mary to assist her with the task she was herself already bearing. You with me? Okay, I'm going somewhere, all right? I'm taking you on a journey. Hold that thought. She wants, so that's what the idea is. I'm, I'm doing something. I I'm, I'm need help with that task. You come alongside and help me with bearing that difficult load, okay? All right, so the Spirit comes alongside us, and you could say, assist us. Assist us in what? Huh? Assist us in what? What does the text say, anyway? Helps us in our weakness. You see it in the text? In our weakness. Okay, so what is Paul referring to when he uses the word weakness? Great question. Great question. Let's try to answer it. The word weakness here in this text could be a general reference. Paul could be making a general reference to the the frail human condition of believers in this present age. Or another way to talk about that is he's referring to the many limitations we have while we remain in this present state. Since we have not yet been perfected, fully perfected and glorified. That could be what Paul is talking about. We, we're weak, right? Now, whether or not it means that, we, we should know that. We are weak. We are not strong, not in the sense of fully glorified and perfected. We got a lot of stuff, a lot of mess, right? We are weak. So it could be that, and because of that, we have limitations. And, and if that is what Paul means, as, as some Bible commentators suggest, then what you find as you continue to read verse 26, look back at it, likewise the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Then he says, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. So what you find then is that Paul is pointing out one particular way in which our weakness or human condition manifests itself. 
uh, shows itself. That being the fact that we do not know what to pray for as we ought. Okay? So, so if you take that position, you're simply saying, hey, Paul's just saying the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We, are just, we have limitations in this life, in this present age, limitations that we won't have in the age to come. Now, let me just show you one example of that. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. That's one of our limitations. Okay? Or, let me give you another option. When we answer the question, what is Paul referring to and using the word weakness, you could say, and I think this is a better way to understand it, this is my position, that Paul is simply, or Paul isn't making a general reference to our frail human condition or our pre-glorified state. He's not talking about that. But rather, weakness is meant to refer more specifically to the difficulty or challenge that all Christians face, including Paul, he includes himself, concerning prayer. Concerning prayer. That weakness being, we do not know what to pray for as we ought. That's what he's talking about. So he, so he just basically goes on to explain it. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. Let me tell you what I'm talking about. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. So when it comes to many matters or circumstances about which we pray, we are simply ignorant concerning the specific will of God. Yes or no? Yes. Yes, right? So you, you can look this passage up later, but Deuteronomy 29, 29 says that the secret things belong to the Lord. But the things that he has revealed belong to us. Well, what has he revealed to us? He's given us his word. So we have clear, clear things communicated to us in his word. But there are other things, secret things, the secret counsel of God that he has chosen not to reveal to us. His choice. And so we don't always know what his will is in specific circumstances of our life. But, listen, as we see in verse 27... Guess who's not ignorant of God's will? The Spirit, because He intercedes for the saints according to His best guess, according to the will of God, according to the will of God. So then when we are faced, listen, when we are faced with the dilemma of not knowing what to pray for as we ought, we do not need to panic. We don't need to panic because the Spirit helps us or assists us in our weakness. That's the way I understand it. Now watch. Now I'm going to bring back that word help. Remember we talked about the word help and put the two together. And I'm going to do that just by quoting another writer because I thought this was, was good. He says, the word, and he's talking about the word help, just that we looked at a few minutes ago, implies that the Holy Spirit doesn't do everything while we sit back and do nothing. Remember when we talked about the word? That's, that's someone coming alongside and assisting, helping me bear the burden that I'm bearing, right? So putting these together, rather we are to keep praying, we keep praying, and if appropriate, keep working or obeying or whatever the Bible may tell us to do about our situation. So we look to the Word of God. We see what the Word of God says concerning our situation. We apply what it says. But at the same time, while we're praying about our situation, we keep praying. We keep doing that. But as we pray, the Spirit says, let me grab the other end. Let me help you by picking up your burden and taking it before the Father's throne. I know what to pray for when you don't. I know what to pray for when you don't. 
So the Spirit helps us by praying for us in our weakness. What an encouragement. What an encouragement. Now watch, in another letter in the New Testament that Paul wrote, he provides us actually with a personal example of not knowing what to pray for as we ought, or not praying according to God's will, demonstrating the fact that Christians need help in this regard. We need help, beloved. We're weak. So look for a second. I want you to turn there. It's in 2 Corinthians Corinthians. Uh, chapter 12. If you're using one of those blue church Bibles, it's page 970 to get you there a little bit quicker. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, verse 7. So at the beginning of this chapter, Paul talks about some just incredible things that have happened to him, some amazing things that God has allowed him to see. By the way, God has used the Apostle Paul in amazing ways. I mean, this man, wow. He's just experienced great spiritual highs, spiritual lows, but great spiritual highs. How God has used him is just fascinating. And he's, and he's shown him some things, taking him up and given, reveals some stuff to him that are, is just incredible. And so there's, there's this idea that Paul could start to get a big head about, about being who he is. I mean, he, he was a big deal because God made him a big deal. Okay, So in verse 7, watch this. He says, So to keep me from becoming conceited, <laughs> arrogant, haughty, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, these things that God has shown Paul, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Stop right there before we read any further. Listen. I'm not going to get into what that thorn was. This is debated. Some think it's a physical ailment of some sort. Others believe that this references to the fact that these Judaizers, they were this thorn in the flesh that kept chasing him around and making him miserable and challenging him every step of the way in his ministry. Either way, whatever it is, it's a difficulty that Paul is bearing and it's making his life more complicated, and I would say harder to get things done. I mean, his whole goal is, you know, preach the word, preach the gospel, plant churches, lead people to Christ. So he's thinking, man, this thing is slowing me down. Whatever it is, it's slowing him down. So what would you do in that situation? Wouldn't you ask God to remove it? Take it away? Right. Three times. So he didn't, he didn't do it once. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this. Pleaded. Lord, take this thing away. Whatever the thing is, it's, it's a burden to Paul. Take this thing away that it should leave me. Right? Look at verse 9. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. That's it. <laughs> Are you... That's okay, God. So you, this thing's going to go on then. And then he says, therefore, because of that, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. I'm content with these things for the sake of Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. When I am weak, then Christ shines through like never before. He gets all the glory, all right? 
So I just showed you that to show you the fact that Paul, here's the Apostle Paul. If anybody, if anybody could know the will of God in a particular situation, I would think it would be the Apostle Paul, but he didn't. He prayed three times for this thing to leave him. He didn't know either. And until God told him, sorry, it's staying. I have reasons for it. Then he said, okay, I understand. So why does the Spirit come to our aid and assist us? Why does he help us? Because we don't know how to pray as we should. It's that simple. We are finite beings. We are finite beings. We are not infinite. Our understanding of any situation is limited. We lack the ability to always assess the situation perfectly. Is that not true? Huh? We often don't clearly and accurately understand why things are happening. Huh? Why is this happening? Uh, I would say, for that matter, why are things not happening? I can't tell you, you know, there have been many times where I've gone to the Lord and, and just trying to figure out, Lord, why isn't this happening yet in our ministry here at Summit? Why isn't this happening? Or sometimes, why is this happening? You know, it's that, that kind of thing. I don't, I don't know, God. I don't know, man. I don't even know. I don't even know exactly how to pray. Nor do we always fully understand God's purposes in our circumstances. Huh? We don't always fully understand that. Nor do we, hello, listen, nor do we fully understand. Sometimes we think we do. Be careful. Nor do we really understand the circumstances or God's purposes for them in someone else's life. We don't always understand that. Uh, sometimes we, we think that we're experts all of a sudden, especially when it comes to someone else's life and their circumstances. Oh, I know exactly what God's doing in your life. And I know what you should do, and I'll tell you what you should pray for. Um, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't make the mistake Job's friends made. Do you remember that? If I go back to the book of Job, that's such a great book. You know Job wasn't written when Job was around. That was kind of a joke. But that Job, Job didn't have... No, nah, that went dead. Just totally dead. So clearly God does not want me to be a comedian. Job did not have access to the, the scriptures. That, he didn't know what was going on in, the, in his life. Neither did his friends. They made a lot of assumptions about what was going on and told him what he should do and how he should pray. Repent, Job. You know, these kind of things. They were dead wrong. They were dead wrong. God had his own purposes in these things. And so we find ourselves in these very same situations often. We just don't know what, I don't know, I don't know what to pray for. One writer says, do we know our real needs as God sees them? Our real needs. And do we know the needs of others? Do we? I know we think we do sometimes, but do we really... Going deeper, do we know the will of God respecting these things? Do we? In the last analysis, it is that that will determine how our prayers will be answered. If, I, if I'm not, ultimately, if I'm not praying according to God's will, you think God's going to give it to you? Think he's going to give it to you? You think he's going to answer that prayer or fulfill that request or that desire? Oh, thank God he doesn't. Thank God the universe does not rotate around our will. Can you imagine? It would be a real mess. Our lives would be a real mess. So just like Paul, follow me, just like Paul, we may pray for relief from our sufferings, 
or even for those we care about, but that may not be what God really wants. It may not be. Do you think that's going to stop me from praying for the relief of someone's suffering or my own suffering? I'm going to pray for it. But I also recognize it may not be God's will in that particular circumstance or situation. More importantly, it may not be what is best for us or for them. Listen, if you were in ministry with Paul and you saw this thorn in his flesh and he was your ministry partner, he's telling you, I'm burdened with this, whatever it is, whether it was physical or it was the attack of these Judaizers, these false teachers, just on his heels everywhere he went, making his life miserable and he's talking to him. Wouldn't you come alongside Paul and say, Paul, let's, let's go, let's take this to the Lord. Let's go pray. Let's pray to the Lord, right? Let's pray that God would relieve you of that. That's what I would think was best for Paul, certainly. Doesn't that make sense? But God had other plans. God had other plans. What was best for Paul was for him to continue with that burden, to keep him from being coming, conceited, to humble him, basically, guys, to humble him. Who likes to be humbled? I'm not raising my hand. I was just trying. I'm not. I'm not. Yeah, but it's necessary. It's necessary to our growth, to our sanctification, to our Christ-likeness. It's necessary. You know, we may be, listen, we could be asking God to, to, uh, to help us relocate to a different neighborhood, right? Or, or to give us a different job. But we may not know if that's what God, God really desires for us or not, but we may still ask. What if God, listen, what if God wants us to stay in that stinky job because he's going to bring some guy named Bob into the, the, the community there of work there in a week or so, and you're going, to, you're going to witness Jesus Christ to him. You're going to minister to him. But you don't know that. You don't know the future. But, but all you see is this job is terrible. I want out. I need more pay, so I pray accordingly. But maybe God has other plans. You see what I'm saying? So the Spirit comes to our aid. He helps us in these matters because sometimes we don't even know what to pray. Maybe we're in that difficult situation. I don't even know which direction or what to ask God for. But but how then does the Spirit help us in these matters? And we've already mentioned it, but that just brings me right now to the second point in the outline. We know why He helps us, but how does He help us? Well, How? It's simple. The Spirit prays for us, but let's break it down, okay? Let's look at the passage together. Romans chapter 8, verse 26. Look at it again. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. And here's here's why, for we do not know how to pray for as we ought. That's, that's, That's the issue. That's our weakness. And here's how he helps us. The Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. With groanings too deep for words. Beloved, that the Spirit intercedes for us, that word intercedes for us, it means that he petitions or appeals to God the Father on our behalf. This is so cool. He intercedes for us. He appeals or petitions to God the Father on our behalf. Or, as I've put it, you could simply say he prays for us. And Paul adds that this intercession is with groaning too deep for words. Groaning too deep for words. What is that all about? What is that all about? Okay, listen. Let me, tell you, let me tell you what I know it doesn't mean. It's good to start there. Groaning's too deep for words is not code for speaking in tongues. 
It is not that. I'm going to show you why it's not that here in a second. It is not that. Some in the, in the charismatic community are Christian brothers and sisters who are persuaded that gifts such as speaking in tongues and laying on of hands for healing purposes and interpretation of tongues and these kind of things are still a gift that is active today, normative. They, they have said that this text is speaking of that. But the text does not support that idea. In fact, the text necessarily, watch, it necessarily rejects it because the intercession of the Spirit with groanings too deep for words is something that occurs for some believers, for all believers. The intercession of the Spirit with groanings too deep for words is a ministry of the Spirit on behalf of the Christian that occurs for every single believer. But speaking in tongues was not a gift that was possessed by every Christian according to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It was not. Even if you take the position that it's still a gift that is valid today and in operation today, you certainly couldn't look at this text and say, when Paul talks about groanings with words too deep to understand, what he really is talking about is when you start to speak in tongues. It's your private prayer language. That's, it's impossible based on that because then this wouldn't make any sense. Nor is the ancient gift of tongues mentioned anywhere else in the Bible with, in connection with intercession. You want to start talking about speaking in tongues? It's never mentioned anywhere that somehow speaking in tongues was for the purpose of interceding. Nowhere does it mention that. You, what you have to do is you have to import that meaning into the text. You have to, you have to bring it from somewhere else and say, this is what it means because I want it to mean that. The text itself does not support that idea. You wouldn't just reading through the text draw that position out of the text. You with me? So what does groanings too deep for words mean then? Well, there's some discussion about this, but I, I think it simply means this, that the Spirit's intercession on our behalf is intense and passionate. That's that idea of groaning, intense and passionate, but not expressed or put into words not expressed or put into words. It is, here you go, it is the wordless groans of the Spirit on our behalf. The wordless groans of the Spirit on our behalf. They're passionate, they're intense, the Spirit cares for us, He loves us, but this communication is wordless. One writer says this, they are inaudible groanings. They are too profound for words. There are no words. There are no sounds. There are no noises. It is the Holy Spirit doing this, not us. It's the Holy Spirit doing this. Who's making the groaning? It's the Spirit. Now, look at verse 27. Romans eight twenty-seven. Then Paul goes on to say, and he who searches hearts 
knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Now watch this. This is neat. This verse is needed to clarify or make clear what Paul just said in verse 26. I need some clarity, Paul. I need some clarity. If the Spirit intercedes for us, and he does, with with groaning too deep for words, with wordless groans, if that's his communication, how can a prayer like that even be answered? How can it be answered? I mean, how can one respond to or make sense of inaudible groanings? You get it? How does that work exactly? This is not like my prayer. This is different. Well, answer, God can. God can. God makes sense of it. He, listen, he is the one who searches hearts. God searches hearts. That's clear throughout all the scripture. God sees what we cannot see. He looks into the heart and he sees into the inner being of people where the indwelling Holy Spirit's ministry of intercession takes place. That's where it takes place. And God understands exactly the mind of the Spirit or what the Spirit has set his mind on. Why? Why? Because the petitions or appeals of the Spirit on our behalf are always perfectly in line with the will of God. Another way to say it is that God the Father is able to perfectly understand this communication because He already is of one mind with the Spirit in accomplishing His will in our lives. With accomplishing His will in our lives. One writer says this, The Spirit's intercession, accompanied by groanings, is not fruitless. Would not he who is constantly searching human hearts be able to read the intention of his own Spirit who dwells in these hearts? Yes, absolutely, that's the answer. Would he not know the meaning of that Spirit's unspoken groanings. Of course he would. They are one in will and intention. And so that's what the writer is saying. And so 27 helps us understand better what Paul is saying in 26. Beloved, here's the bottom line of all this. The indwelling spirit of God is the most perfect prayer partner you will ever have. He is. Some people often, they will come to me and they'll say, and I, of course, am delighted to do this. Pastor, will you, will you pray for me? Will you pray for me in, in this situation? Of course. I think sometimes people think I have a, a special link to God that they don't have, but we, we access the same God. We come before him in the same way, okay? But you know who's a better prayer partner than, than the pastor? The Holy Spirit who indwells you. Because even I am weak. Even I am at a loss sometimes to know exactly what to pray for in your particular situation or circumstance. So as we summarize this whole thing, trying to draw everything back together, let me just give you this quote because I thought this was helpful. When we look at 26 and 27, we could say this. Paul is saying that our failure to know God's will and consequent inability to petition God specifically 
and assuredly that issue is met by God's Spirit, who himself expresses to God those intercessory petitions that perfectly match the will of God. When we do not know what to pray for, yes, even when we pray for things that are not best for us. Huh? You ever been concerned about that? Maybe I shouldn't be asking God for this. I mean, listen, listen to me. Clearly, there are things that God has made very clear that we shouldn't be asking for, right? Anything that goes against his revealed will would be foolish to ask for. I wouldn't ask God to help me sin or to make it more possible for me to indulge more in my sin. Obviously, listen, that's just foolishness. But there are many situations in our lives where I don't know, I don't know. What does it do here? I don't know what to ask for. I'm going to ask as best I know how. Under the circumstances, I'm going to ask. I've, I've researched your word. I've looked through it. But Lord, what if I'm asking for something I shouldn't be asking for? Don't worry. Don't worry. We need not despair, for we can depend on the Spirit's ministry of perfect intercession on our behalf. I think that's so cool, guys. I think that's so cool. When I think of the Holy Spirit, and like I said, there are so many things that are attributed to the Holy Spirit that people say that he's doing uh, that they shouldn't be saying because he's not doing those things. But there are so many beautiful things clearly that he does on behalf of the Christian that we should rejoice in. You know, all these titles, he's the spirit of life, the spirit of adoption. He's, he's, He's the interceding spirit. He intercedes. What a gift of God, right? He knew we'd be weak. He knew we wouldn't always know how to pray. He gives us his Holy Spirit who intercedes on our behalf according to the will of God so those things, God's will in our life, will be fulfilled just as he wants it to be. And beloved, that's what you want. Huh? One person agrees that that is what you all want, but that is, you should all be in agreement. You want God's will, God's perfect Even that secret, you want that to be taking place in your life. It's going to happen no matter what. But you want that to happen. You desire those things, and the Spirit assures that it happens because He prays for you. Even even when you're struggling, struggle, guys. Go ahead and struggle, but don't panic. Don't freak out. Rest. Rest that 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 work is going on. So then even though, let me just say it this way, even though we may not know what we should pray for in a particular situation, or maybe even even praying for that which would not truly be best for us, as I've said. It doesn't mean we're out of luck. That's what this means, so to speak. It doesn't mean we're out of luck, but rather, listen, effective, powerful prayer for our specific and true needs is never absent. It's never absent. Because the Spirit comes alongside us and helps us in our weakness. Isn't that great? Isn't that great? In that, we can be encouraged and have our minds put at ease as we continue in this life to do our best to earnestly pray for ourselves and pray for others. Remember that word, help? Remember? It's not us just sitting back and going, well, the Spirit's got this handled. No, God has commanded us to pray. We pray. We seek God's will, His instruction. We seek it. We seek to pray accordingly. But... Often we don't know how to pray as we ought. Don't worry. The Spirit is right there, taking the other end, picking up that burden, carrying it with you, 
and bringing your petitions before God and his petitions that align perfectly with God's will, right? So the Holy Spirit is there. He comes to our aid. And I would say it this way. He fills in our gaps. There's probably a lot of gaps in our prayer life because we don't always know specifically how to pray. Don't worry. We stress ourselves out. Man, God is, look, he's so awesome. He's so, the gift of salvation, the more you, you examine it and explore it, the more you're in awe of it. God has every base covered. He didn't forget anything. He didn't leave anything out. From beginning to end, he's got you covered. He gives you this spirit, and the spirit comes in, and he knows our prayer life is going to be messed up here and there, right? The spirit comes in, he fills those gaps, and guess what? Even this. He writes our requests that are wrong. He writes our requests that are our petitions that are not in accordance with God's will. Don't worry. Don't fret. The Holy Spirit comes in and he writes them because he prays on our behalf always according to the will of God. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you. We thank you so much just for these simple verses here. Just another thing that we're learning about the Holy Spirit. What What a gift. What a blessed gift. This should encourage us towards prayer even more. That we can can go to you, Father, and there are many times our hearts are breaking. We are are struggling. We don't know what to pray for this particular situation. We pray as best we know how. And so, Father, is, is that it? Is that all we can hope for? No. According to your word, the Spirit steps in. He's right there. And when we don't know how to pray for or pray for what we ought, the Spirit comes in with groanings too deep for words and intercedes on our behalf according to your perfect will. And Father, we know you always answer those prayers in the affirmative. So Father, we are blessed. We are blessed to have the Holy Spirit residing inside of us. We're blessed to know more about him this morning, blessed to, to to be given reliance in this matter of prayer, relying upon him Father, it's always you. We're always looking back to you, your work, what you're doing, your salvation, all these things that you've accomplished and are accomplishing and will accomplish on our behalf. Father, you are worthy of our praise. Thank you for this great gift of your spirit. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.